this morning, honestly, I have three thoughts. I have a very, they're very like, you're going to look at it and think, why did I bother coming this morning? But I'm going to ask you to stay with me because I believe this is even what uh, Justin said and what Jonathan said last night about being on the cusp. I think what is on my heart is part of what this really means. Um, you know, you guys are all leaders and we get consumed with strategies. We get consumed with vision and process. We, we get consumed with just stuff that keeps happening all the time. Depending on your gifting, some, some leaders are more prophetic and, and they, they don't really bother with all those things because they can just see beyond that and they have other people do it. I'm not like that. I get consumed in all the stuff and people's things. And, and uh, you know, I, in our leadership, never learned about strategy and process and all those things. And uh, I, I'm going to come back this morning. You know, well, you get this question. Pastor, what's the vision for this year? Like they want, people want something like new and a creative new idea and let's, let's go a whole other direction. I just say, well, let's just reach our city. Isn't, isn't the mission of God just to, to reach people and love people into the kingdom of God? And isn't that a good vision? We, we actually, uh, two Sundays ago, we did an Alpha Sunday. We're building Alpha into our culture. We're doing it twice a year. And uh, so I've never done this before, but on our second Sunday this month, we showed the first Alpha video. We've been pushing for invitation. We've been, and I thought, so many people have never seen Alpha. And uh, I thought, why don't we just show the video? And it was amazing, but we had one person didn't talk to me. They talked to one of my staff members and says, why did they show that video? What, like, what's our vision for this year? <laughs> Anyways, our vision is to reach the lost and to help people in our city and to help people grow in Jesus Christ. I, I mean, it's, I think that always stays the same. We might do a couple of new things, but the vision, come on, the mission of what we've been called to do never changes. Anyways, that's not my message. I just thought I'd throw that out. Um, healthy churches need Jesus. And uh, this morning I want to minister out of um, kind of my life verse. And, uh, well, we're just going to plow and you trust me and I'm, I'm trusting you go with me. My first thought, the most important thing we can do in our lives is love Jesus. I mean, you know this passage. You can put the scripture passage up. Let's read it together. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The greatest thing, the most important thing in our lives is that we love Jesus. So I say that, and, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, duh. Well, you're the one that needs to hear this message. 
You know, I'm, Stephen Covey says the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing for us is Jesus. But even greater than that, the main thing for us is loving Jesus. We could say that passage here, OMFI Canada, you should love Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and all of your strength. I, this, this kind of comes out a little bit of a journey, but Lord put this heart, this verse on my heart years ago. And when we started our church, it was kind of the, the founding verse and everything. But just recently, I've just been seeking God and saying, I just want a fresh encounter with Jesus. Uh, and I, it was interesting that Jonathan was preaching last night on, on Saul's encounter. And don't laugh at me, but I've been, I, I often say, Lord, I would like to experience, without the blindness, I would love to experience that one-on-one -on -one encounter, like in the flesh, living Jesus in my life. And then the Holy Spirit reminds me, yeah, but what about Thomas? Thomas claimed, I will not believe unless I see the nail prints in your hand there and the spear in the side. And Jesus said to him, he says, you're blessed, Thomas, because you've seen. But more blessed are those who have not seen but believe. Right. I, I just want to encourage you, like I am a doer. I, I function better on if, some, if I have a project or this, uh, like you give it to me, I'll do it, and I love that. And I think a lot of times with us in the ministry, we, we just gear into doing that and then sitting down with our staff and creating strategies. And in the midst of that, somehow we forget that we're supposed to be loving Jesus. Years ago when I first got saved, um, I, I, I wanted my family to come to know Jesus. Like my sisters, you know, they're... And, uh, so I just started doing stuff for them. And I know you won't believe me, but you know, sometimes it goes below freezing and I, I would be out in the forest cutting firewood for my sisters and delivering it to their house and doing things for them. And I was, I was just trying to do everything I could for my sisters because I wanted them to you know, see the love of Jesus. Because I'm a doer. That's how I do it. I'm, I'm like random acts of kindness guy. I, I'll do all that kind of stuff. And I remember my mom sitting down with me one time and she says, you know, Dave, the problem is, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm doing pretty good. The problem is you don't love your sisters. <laughs> and I'm thinking, for the last two years, I've been doing all of these things because I want them to know Jesus. And she says, problem is you don't love Jesus. I was crushed. Or they don't, you don't love your sisters. I was crushed. But it's like that in the ministry. Yeah. And I, I, these thoughts is, you know, we, we can love what we do for Jesus, but the problem is that we can love the things we do, but do we truly love the one we do it for? Now, another thing, and, and I mean, this is kind of, I, I love like music, that's my background, and, and um, we, can lo we love worship. If you love the worship here, don't, don't say yes. 
Because it's great. You have a great band. You sing great songs. The words are great songs. But do we truly not love the worship, but we, do we love the one we worship? I, I know you guys, this is a simple truth. You are all great leaders. But sometimes I think we forget the heart and the essence of who we are, what we've been called to, and who saved us. Most important thing in our lives is to love Jesus. There's great teachers here. We can love teaching and preaching. We can love all of those things. But do we love the one that we're teaching and preaching about? I, I, uh, Sometimes, and maybe this is just me because this is a journey I'm on. I I honestly, I love Jesus, but I went into this summer thinking, I want to know you more, Jesus. I want to experience, I want to experience a different kind of love for you. You know, we can stand and we can sing. We declare that the name of Jesus is above every other name and we can say all those things, but sometimes I think we get into the motions and the acting of that's what we do but do we really love Jesus? If we took everything away, if you took away your ministry, if you took away you know, your, the church you're leading, if, you, if they took away all of those things, if it was taken away from you, would you still be standing and saying, I just love Jesus with all of my heart? Years ago, when we first started our church, I had a couple of girls that just got saved, and so they would come to my office and you know, I, I was kind of walking through some of the basic principles and stuff. And, and one of them, every time I would mention Jesus' name, she would start crying. And we'd have to stop and wait. And, <laughs> and then I'd, I'd go a little further and, and then I'd just start talking about Jesus. She'd start crying. And I always felt like I really, Lord, I want to be like that. Now here's an interesting thing. 20 years later, we just saw her and her husband when we were on vacation. And we were talking, and I was reminding her about that, and she started crying. (laughs) As soon as I said, Jesus, you know what, you guys, our churches need to know more than anything else that we love Jesus in a personal, intimate relationship, regardless of our job, regardless of the things we get to do, that we love Jesus. That's the most important thing. It's, I, I just, uh, last week, we have a place up at Cultus Lake here about 30 minutes from here, and I just thought, I need to get away. Because when I'm at the office, if things come up, I love to do them. <laughs> I'll do it, you know. And uh, so I went up to the lake and, and I was praying and stuff. But on my drive up, no, I, I better not say that. Before I started driving up, I got a text message. <laughs> and the text message was from a guy that I just married him and his wife in their second marriage. And uh, the text message was, I'm done. There is so much hate in my heart. I think, and I, now I'm on my way and I'm going to pray and seek the Lord and I got this thing weighing over me and I just said, we need to talk and I left it at that and I, I met them on Saturday morning and uh, it's just, oh my goodness, 
I said, don't you remember what we talked about six months ago? And I says, the problem is there's no Jesus in your marriage. As much as you say that you know Jesus and believe in Jesus, there's no Jesus in your marriage. And so the first thing I did with them is I had them read the chapter verses four to eight in Corinthians 13. And I had them alternate reading the verses to each other. And it dead silent after. I says, come on. There's, you got to get Jesus in your marriage. More than anything, though, you each have to love Jesus. Anyways, that just you know how you get those things? So I started in the summer going through the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John is literally, one writer says, it's all about the beautiful Christ. And, uh, you know, he's, John's writing to non-believers and believers, Jews and Gentiles. He's writing so that they would believe that Jesus is the one. He's the one to believe in. He's the one for salvation. He's the one for eternal life. He's the one that can transform your life. He's the one that can literally take your life and change it. Come on, leaders. I, I want to encourage you this morning that you would love Jesus with all your heart. Amen. Don't love the ministry. Don't love your worship team. Well, love the worship team. <laughs> It might be a problem if you don't love your team. But don't just love the worship. You know, I, I know. I, maybe this is just me, but somehow it's hard to, to break through all of those things because I love those things. But unless, even, you know, here experiencing worship, I'm trying to get beyond the band, which is great. Get beyond the songs, which are great. And just let my spirit connect with my Savior. We sang that this morning. I know this is a simple thought, you guys. But if our churches don't know that we love Jesus with everything in us, with every bone and breath and muscle and thought, how will they ever experience that themselves? I, I, I read this quote, it's an anonymous quote. It's a young girl that says, all I really want is for people to look at me and think, wow, she really loves Jesus. God made us to wear our love on our sleeves and he wired us to serve what we treasure. I know that we're serving people and I know, you know, Paul writes in Corinthians, you know, if, if, if I would to prophesy and not love others, but what about this? If I was to prophesy and not love Jesus, they would just be a clanging symbol. If I was here, just pour gas all over myself and set myself on fire as a martyr, if I did it for others, but if I didn't love Jesus, I'm not saying anything. I'm not accomplishing anything. Wow. Come on, you go back to your church and have people like, wow, my pastor really loves Jesus. My pastor loves Jesus with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. Simple thought. 
the most important thing in our lives is to love Jesus. Now the second thought might come as a little of a shock to you. <clears throat> it's really important to love yourself. When we read this passage, he says, love your neighbors as yourself. The implication is you already love yourself. In, in uh, Ephesians, when Paul's talking about marriage, and he says, husbands, love your wives just as you love your own bodies. I've tried to explain that to men sometimes that, you know, we actually really love ourselves. If, if I just take our marriage, um, I love doing things for me. Like I, I, I'll easy go spend four hours golfing. I'll easy spend time doing the things I like or I'll just uh, hibernate and go out into my backyard and do yard work. I love to do those things because that's, that's what I'm doing. My wife does not think that way. She, she could never think of taking four hours and just doing what she wanted. She's all about like, well, no, let's, let's do the grandkids. Let's, you know, let's, why don't we go for a walk? And no, I want to go golfing. <laughs> I'm learning after, you know, 43 years of marriage. I'm learning. But I, I'm, I say it this way. It's important to love yourself. Let me say it in a question. Are you taking care of yourself? Sometimes, you know, we can feel guilty about taking time, but can I just say, we are not much good to our families, our churches, or our neighbors if we're not healthy and taking care of ourselves. I think that's really important. One author says, you're always with yourself, so you might as well enjoy the company. <laughs> and I've been, I've been walking through 2 Corinthians chapter 4 a lot, and, uh, you know, Paul starts off by saying, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhand methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. And then down in verse seven, uh, he writes this. Now, we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. This is kind of a no-brainer, but ministry and pastoring and leading is not easy. Have you, have you discovered that? <laughs> have you discovered that for some reason people feel they have a right to speak into your life and tell you what's right and what's wrong. And, and if you preach a message that they don't agree with your point, I, I've had someone take me out for coffee and they said, you missed the whole point of that passage. <laughs> and, and you know, for me, like I'm, I'm so insecure that I'll go over and over and over to make sure that I'm not teaching the wrong thing. You know, I'll go and listen to Matt Tapley and say, what does Matt Tapley say on that? <laughs> That's gotta be right. But people just have this thing. They come again. And so, you know, Paul goes on in this passage and he says, you know, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we never are abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus 
may also be seen in our bodies. We, ex we experience so many kinds of pressures, and so I come back to this. Are you taking care of yourself? How are you navigating all of the difficult scenarios that you walk through in ministry so that you're healthy and you're strong and that your love for Jesus is not, you know, you're pressed on every side, you're crushed. People are saying nasty things about you. They're, they're saying you're not telling the truth and they're coming all these things and, and you're there thinking, oh my goodness, I'm never gonna make this, I'm gonna quit. I think Jonathan said that last night. I've, to be honest, probably, like I love, we love doing what we're doing. But I, we had a season where, and I'm Mr. Positive. Like you just, I'm, I'll always look at the positive side of things. Even if it's, even if it's the worst ever, I'll look at the positive side and I can find the positive side. But there was a time, probably five years ago, where I literally said to someone, I says, I feel like quitting. It just seems like everything comes against you. People's comments. I had someone, one of my leaders come into my office. This is maybe a year ago. And they, uh, they sat down and we we're talking and stuff. And then they started talking to me they, about some of the things I was doing. One in particular is, he says, you go golfing every week in the summer. And I said, yeah. Well, you know, we're paying your salary and, you know, you're doing this. And once in a while, you take a staff member with you. Yeah. And then he went on and started talking about stuff. And, and I just looked at him and I said, let me, let me just tell you what my schedule is. I said, first off, I only take one day off a week. I take Mondays. And boy, do we treasure Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't do nothing on Mondays. Yeah. Well, yard work and stuff, but I love that because I'm a doer. And, and so I, I proceeded to go through, you know, that I'm at the office usually by seven o'clock every morning and, you know, all the things we do. And then the meetings we have, you know, almost every night, there's some kind of thing or marriage counseling and everything like that. And, and then I said, I do go golf in the summer. I don't do this all year. We could though in BC, just so you know, but I... I said, I go, I go at 5.30 on a Friday morning and I'm in the office by 9.30. And then I said to him, I says, I would have hoped. And he looked at me and said, oh, I had no idea. I said, I know you didn't. But I said, I would have hoped that you would have come in and say, Pastor, how are you doing? Are you being refreshed? Are you taking care of yourself? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> when your motives are misinterpreted and your actions are misconstrued, your words are twisted out of their meaning. Come on, that happens to all of us, but we're not the only one. And, and Paul just says, it happened to him too. Weariness and discouragement. I've just felt in this time with us as pastors that I know many feel weariness and discouragement. And I, I thought it was so good last night what Pastor Jonathan said that I, I think one of the things that we've got to learn to do, I've got to learn to do this, is be more vulnerable about some of those struggles. Like I'm just, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I am so weary of criticisms against the ministry or what we're doing or 
the color of the carpet. I'm just so, like, or anxious. And, and it, like, it just weighs on you. I, I don't know if you feel that, but it weighs on you. And, and we need to be taking care of ourselves. And even though, like Paul says in this whole passage, he says, after he goes through that thing, is that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And if you're feeling this weariness and discouragement, I just suggest you go back to number one. Most important thing in your life is to love Jesus. But if you're feeling weariness, like these are signs of weariness and discouragement. And I was going through this list and I'm thinking, oh, I need to get back to number one. Your motivation is fading. If you're in that place here at MFI and here in this meetings, I'm, I just want to believe that the Holy Spirit would just begin to refresh and renew your heart, even through relationship and one-on-one -on -one prayer and, and just sharing some of these things, just saying, I just, I've lost motivation for the ministry. I love doing what I'm doing, but it's just, you know, or your main emotion is numbness. Something great happens, something lousy happens, and you're just like, just a, this is a confession. Um, my wife and I watch Hallmark movies. We even watch the Christmas ones in the summer. But that's not my confession. My confession is I cry at every one. I cry when you know they go up for the last, the kiss, right? They're just going to, I don't, you guys probably don't even watch Hallmark movies. They're the safe movies to watch, okay? And just they go ready for the kiss and they get interrupted. Rats. You have to wait till the very end of the show for them to kiss. But you know, if you're, if, if you're hearing things and seeing things and your emotions are just numb, you need to just maybe get people around you, get the right people around you. And, and don't be afraid to say, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. Uh, little things make you angry or people drain you. That's the worst thing in ministry. And I get it. There are some people that drain you. But if everybody drains you, that could be a problem. Or there's this, productivity is dropping. You know, you, you used to get things done in five minutes. Now it takes you an hour. And in that hour, you're playing a couple of video games just to make the hour get through. These are just signs. You don't laugh anymore. Laughing is so important. <laughs> Tamana, this, this is so funny. But like, Tamana and I, we, we laugh at each other a lot. Just because I do stupid things. And, uh, but you know that laughter in our marriage has been so healthy and laughter in the ministry has been really healthy. And it's interesting, we, we, we had uh, friends, we don't go out with them very often, but once in a while we go with them and you know, we laugh and have a good time. And their comment is, we love being with you guys because we never laugh. Well, it's just because I, I got such a great sense of humor it's just what makes it work. 
But I, I'm telling you, if you're not enjoying and laughing and enjoying life, if you're not enjoying, you know, just the presence of Jesus in your life, I, I met with a pastor on Friday and, and I, we were just talking and, and he pastors a Filipino church in, in Coquitlam. And, uh, you know, we were just talking and I said, well, you know, how's it, how are you doing and stuff? And I said, like, you know, how's your prayer life? I kind of asked those questions and, and he says, you know, he says, uh, he gets up at four every morning because he, he has a small congregation. He works a, a job. And so he gets up at four and he says, sometimes I forget I got to go to work. Come on, Jesus. I'm, I'm more time conscious. But that's where we should be, ladies and gentlemen, leaders. We should be in a place where we just enjoy and love the, because that's what keeps you healthy. That's what, you know, when you spend time with Jesus, he's the one that tells you who you are. He's the one that gives you your identity. It's not ministry. It's not preaching. It's not serving. It's the identity that you get from who Jesus says you are. But if you don't spend time with him and you don't love him, you might miss that. And you might think, well, if I do this and I do this, then Jesus will love me. And you know that's not true. Being a pastor is like being a dog at a Whistler's convention. You didn't get that one. You're just on call all the time. People calling you, people coming after you. I, I, I want to just say one thing, and uh, I can say it here. I would never say this in my church. Uh, and I know that here there are some elders of different churches. And you probably would never say this in your church. And uh, if you want me to call them, I will. But are your elders caring for you to keep you healthy and strong? You know, some, I've seen this in some churches where the elders feel their responsibility is to keep the pastor in check and to make sure the pastor's doing his job. That is not the role of elders. The role of elders is to support, encourage, lift up the hands, make sure that the pastor is doing well, he's cared for. Because who else will care for the pastor unless his leadership team and his elders care for him? Do your elders come to you and say, hey, how you doing, pastor? Is there something I could do? Or, hey, we should do something, or, you know? But often elders feel like their job is to make sure that you're doing your job. I don't need anybody to make sure I'm doing my job. It's my job. <laughs> but do you have elders that care for you? You know, we, when we were going through some really tough seasons, it was, I don't know, probably in our 14th through 16th year as a church, the, the saving grace for Tamana and me was our elders. You know, I, I had someone, I think I shared this at regionals, but I had someone come and prophesy over me a Jezebel spirit. That, that just cuts you to the heart, whether it's true or not true. Like all of a, all of a sudden you begin to question, oh, am I, do I have, am I a control freak? Am I this? Am I that? 
And thankfully, I had an elder with me, and I was able just to ask the elder, I said, is that true? And then I said, if that's true, why haven't you told me? Because the elders are the ones that are supposed to care for you. Uh, we had an elder couple that left our church, not, not happily, and uh, got a long email from them. You know, the problem with you, Dave, and it went on and on and, and actually called me a monarchist. I'm thinking, couldn't you at least call me a king? <laughs> like a monarchist? And so I sent the email to the elders. And I just said, is this true? You guys, it is so important for you in your eldership and your leadership. Elders, if you're here, come on, I'm going to ask you to step up to the plate and make sure that you're caring for your pastor. He's not sometimes going to care for himself, yet we should. Do you know you ever take, I mean, this is a sign where it's just like you go away on a vacation. It's an amazing vacation. You come back, it's like, oh, man. I don't feel like I was even away. How are you being refreshed? We, I mean, we heard it last night, and we believe this. Holy Spirit. I remember somebody asking me, there's you know, books out about running on empty and fueling and stuff like that, and somebody, one of the people in the church came and says, well, what, fuel, what fuels you, Dave? And I, honestly, and I can say this honestly, is spending time in prayer and just receiving from the Holy Spirit. It honestly... Those are my best times because I don't have to plan anything. I don't have to come up with great strategy and fresh new vision for the fall. I can just like, Holy Spirit, come on, we believe that in this fellowship. I loved what Jonathan said last night, that we don't just take it for granted and we just think, oh yeah, well that, that's great and we believe in the Holy Spirit. Come on, we are these earthen, fragile clay vessels with the power of God in us. And so when we're perplexed and when we're crushed and when things come against us, we have that power within us that we can say, my body might be dying, but my spirit is renewed. Yes, come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love this? Just being a follower of Jesus. If you could just drop everything while you're here this week and say, I'm just a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. I get to hang out with other Jesus people. So I'm going all the way through here and I need to talk a little bit about MFI. That's my job. No. But my last thought is this. We are always better together. It's, you know, MFI is not about one person. We've We've tried very hard from the very beginning for MFI not to be just about one person, but MFI is about a team. It's all of us. All of us across this nation. All of us from different places, places in Canada. That's who MFI is. You know, we don't look to one person for everything we can get. We have everybody here. You guys, we have some amazing and gifted leaders in MFI that we need to start connecting with. And again, I, I loved what Jonathan said last night about you know, asking people for help or asking for this and that. I, I was thinking about it. We, it is built into our very nature comparison. We compare ourselves with, oh, that guy, well, this is, there is so much stuff going on on Facebook and Instagram. 
I decided to follow some MFI churches to see what was going on. There is so much stuff. And I'm thinking, oh man, we need to start doing that. That, that looks really good. And oh man, they're doing that. How come we're not doing this? And all of us, comparison. But do you know, right from the very get-go, comparison was built into who we are. You think of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. They had everything at their disposal, but they compared it to the one thing they couldn't have, and they decided to go for the thing they couldn't have. We're often like that as pastors. And so in MFI, we're way better together if, if you're willing to phone up someone and say, hey, what's going on in your church? And how can I, what can I pray for you? Or is there something I can do to help you? When was the last time you called a, an MFI pastor and you can call me, is there something I can do to help you? You know, what's going on in your life? How can, you know, we need to begin to do that more. We need to create that in MFI. It's not about one person. You know, I, I was thinking, we've had two major sporting events in our nation that it's, I, I have this stupid, weird picture of like 10 million eyes all focused on TVs watching the Raptors win. Come on, how many of you guys saw the three bounce final basket and you're like, wow! Like, you should have seen our family room. And like, our kids were all there and stuff like that. And you're just like going wild. Everybody in Canada was like that. And then Bianca. Whew, I'm a tennis guy. I love tennis. And so watching her win three titles, I'm just praying, Jesus, put someone in her life that can just, I don't know if she's a believer or not. Sometimes the way she talks, I don't think she is because they keep beeping some of the words. I don't know what those words are, but they beep them. Um, the, all eyes are on them. But I just want to say, I would love for all eyes in our nation to be on Jesus. And it's going to take, Jonathan talked about it last night, not a moment, monument, but a movement and I'm, I'm not trying to call back the 60s and the 70s, but literally, if we had a Jesus-loving movement in Canada, the people, they didn't see all of the differences, and they didn't see the denominations, and they didn't see, you know, this church and that church, or they are, but they saw every church. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in John 17? That they would all, they would see that you're together, that they would see you are one, that the world might believe. Well, we can be a part of that. That's, that's the cusp. That's where our nation is. There are people hungry for some type of spirituality in our nation. And they're creating their own spiritualities. But if they saw people that love Jesus and they saw a movement here, even MFI, let's not just be these moments, but let's be a movement of who we are and what we can establish, but let's be a Jesus movement. Let's be a movement of people that love Jesus. Come on, we, we all want a movement of the Spirit in our country. We all want that. You know, and I, I think of just one last thing. There's, there's so many flavors in our nation. We, uh, we take our grandkids. When we're up at the lake, there's this ice cream place. It's called Frosty's. 
There's another one that I like better, but it's across a busy road. It's called Coneheads, and I just like it because of its name. I suit that better. And you get there, and you got all these flavors of ice cream. It's kind of like Baskin and Robbins, you know, 58, 900 flavors, and some of them are gross. Moose droppings? No, moose tracks. Yeah, moose tracks. Like the name doesn't even appeal to me. Or there's that, you know, bright pink candy cotton one, or the, the bright fluorescent blue bubblegum ice cream. And the grandkids are all up there and they're looking, but they can't decide. So they give them these little tiny pink spoons and they let you have samples. I think sometimes, uh, you know, we're a little bit like that. We're just kind of sampling a little bit from here, and a little bit from there, and a little bit from here. But I, I'm calling you guys into this movement that we all make this movement of what MFI is and who we are and our distinctives of local church, our distinctives of Holy Spirit, all of those things that we begin to do this together and begin to draw other people in. There are, one of the things in my, when we were talking with Jonathan is he says, you know, what's different between ARC and MFI? I said, well, ARC is, is a church planting machine and we need you so bad. Like we need all of the stuff that you do. But I said, MFI is, is about guys that don't have anywhere. People that are out pastoring and leading a church somewhere and they don't have anyone. Those are the ones that we should be looking for. All out there by themselves. Nobody to speak into their lives. Nobody to stand and walk alongside them. You know, and, and we have, like there's over 75 denominations in Canada. But I think of some of the things. We have CMA, Christian Ministers Association. CFCM, which is Canadian Fellowship of Churches and Ministers. And OBFF, Open Bible Faith Fellowship. LifeLinks, ARC, C2C Collective. There's like we have all of these different, we have church renewal movements in Canada. And so you can walk around with your little pink spoon and say, I'll just try a taste. I, I don't work that way. I need the whole cone to experience the true flavor. Little, little spoon, little taste. And I'm asking you to stick your spoon into MFI and who we are and begin to build who we are. Like I, this is, you guys, this is not me. This is not the leadership team. This is every one of you, whether you're an elder, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, it is every one of you, a worship pastor. It's connecting and drawing people in to MFI and who we are and what we believe. I asked a few guys, I said, why MFI? Uh, most of them just use the word friendship or relationship. Well, first they stuff up, why MFI? Well, just because you have you and Tamana. No. <laughs> they said that, and then they said, I'm just joking. Huh. <laughs> Why MFI? Frank Satius, where are you, Frank? Come on, Oshawa. He says, it's a fellowship that really cares about me, capital, as a person, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, and cares about my local church. 
Frank is a good man. He's got a great church, Frank and Christine. You, you guys are doing an amazing job. And they're part of who we are. Come on, just think of these things. Ryan Iverson, where are you, Ryan? I knew you were sitting way over there. He, he, I said like one or two sentences. He sent me three paragraphs. And they're all really good, so I can't read them all. But for him, DNA. You know, I know sometimes that could be overused, but it is true. Where, like even Jonathan, when he was here, he's just commenting at the beginning of worship. He says, oh, you know, ARC is strong. And ARC's really, they had a really great conference uh, in, the, in the summer. But here he says, oh, it's so different. Like you, he says, there's a palpable feeling of the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. Not a lot of movements experience that. They might emulate that, but they don't experience that. Relationship was another one that Ivan said, but here, I love this one. He said, potential. Although MFI is new in Canada, there's a lot of potential to love, help, and partner with many churches. That's great. We can all admit that at all times, this is a lonely call. Uh, really, that's what we want to be. Is Ivan Jonathan here this morning? Ivan pastors a, an Indonesian church in Burnaby. He says, MFI allows our church to be connected with other churches that have sound foundational doctrine that's aligned with what we believe. Jeff Harmon, put up your good hand. Yeah. <laughs> he says, MFI is a voice and a presence that supports and encourages me in my church regarding our DNA, our mission, and the spirit I want and need in our church. Come on, that's who we are. Why MFI? Come on, don't just dip your spoon in. But let's be coneheads and have the whole cone. Come on. Three simple things. You know, the passage in Psalm, how good and pleasant it is, Psalm 133. For brethren to dwell together or live together. This is a different translation. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down the beard and unto the border of his robe. Harmony or unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing. Life forevermore. I, I feel a great sense of unity in this fellowship. And can I encourage you to continue to foster that unity, encourage that unity, because we are better together. We cannot do this on our own. I, I remember walking into somebody's house in our church and they had a sign that says, I can't, but we can't. We are better together. Okay, so three simple thoughts. Most important thing for our lives over everything is to love Jesus. Second thing that's really important is you take care of yourself. Love yourself. Make sure and get people around you that make sure you're a healthy leader. Like, you can't be any good to your family if you're not healthy, let alone the church. And, and you just walk in a heaviness and wait. Come on, have, gather people around you that love you and care for you. Yeah. 
We need it. People don't think pastors need that. I know lots of times people just think, oh, that's Dave. He's able, he can do that. He feels good. He's got, yeah, you can do it. You don't have to worry about him. Yes, I want people to. My wife certainly does. I love you, honey. She's so good for me. You know, I come home after church and it's like, oh, that was not good. That's most Sundays, actually. And uh, I say, oh, no, honey, that was the best. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> when we first started our church, it was just like the two of us, right? And so she'd lead worship and I'd preach. And we'd both get in the car to drive home. And it was like, if, if, if I felt I was lousy or worship was good, it was really good. But if we both felt like we did a lousy job, it was an awful quiet ride home. <laughs> but come on, we wanna, I want to make sure, I want to see you guys healthy. Have elders around you that keep you healthy so that you can actually love being with yourself. And take all that together and just say, we are better together than by ourselves. Come on, let's stand.